And not that you can ever do, I mean, you can't do Israel in a weekend, but you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Ruby's just spoken to me um, about how great it would be to do a weekend, Ruby and Maureen. So it's almost like confirmation, you know, that we were going the right way with that. So if you want to do that, you know, as Rosie said, just let her know. Because we're getting the more space, um, we're going to do more things. So watch out on the website if you can. I know websites are tricky sometimes. Um, but ours is actually a very good website, drawn up by Vanessa's son, um, Josh Record, who keeps it up to date and keeps, um, keeps it moving the way it should. But websites can be a bit confusing, can't they? I mean, let's face it. So, um, uh, so just keep going back onto it and clicking on and waiting until something happens. Something will happen eventually. The Lord will come back or the website will work <laughs> properly. <laughs> Um, no, it, it is a, actually, we're pleased with the website, it's really good. Um, so watch out for all the things that are going to be coming on. If you give us your email address, we'll be in touch with you to tell you the things that are going to happen. We're going to do a couple of half days in our new place next year, as soon as it's decorated and ready. It's not quite our new place yet, so I actually shouldn't be saying new place, but in our prospective new place, we will be doing some half days. And... Um, um, so do encourage people with young families, um, encourage them to see if they can come on a Saturday for the morning. So it's not the whole day commitment. Some people with small children can't commit like that to the whole day. So just think about who you know that um, might like to come. So, um, okay. So Father, we've made it to the last session and with, I just thank you, Lord, that you've done that. You've enabled us to hang in, to keep listening, to keep thinking Lord, I thank you that we can each of us actually have our own slightly differing opinions but still be together in you. I just thank you so much for that, that it's not important the differences that we have as long as they're not essential, Lord, that we, we together, we all of us have the essential core beliefs of our faith, the faith that was once for all handed down to the saints. And I thank you, Lord, that you are the instigator and the establisher of our faith and and I, I praise you, Lord, that you have brought us this far and that you, you're still going to take us on. So now as we finish up, Lord, um, help us to really tie those ends together, to think about all that we've said and all that we've heard from you and, and help us to go from here with an understanding of, of our watching and waiting, what we're watching for and how we are to wait. And I thank you that you will do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so uh, we looked at uh, Be Ready, as I said, last month, and um, we asked the question, what are we to be ready for? What are you to be ready for? Meeting Jesus face to face. That's what you're to be ready for. And I asked the question, are you ready? Last month, are you ready to meet Jesus face to face? You know, and one day I can be totally ready, and the next day I'm kind of, you know, maybe... Maybe not, because things happen, and I know that I'm not exactly where I want to be. And um, So this is not a kind of one-size-fits-all. It's not something that's supposed to be, you say you're ready, and then that's it. You're ready, you've got your bags packed, and you're going to sit on the chair and wait for him to come. You know, it's not that. It's, this is a living being ready. And so um, I would encourage you to keep asking yourself that question. Would I be ready today? 
And then to ask yourself, am I really watching and waiting for the Lord Jesus to return? Am I really watching the signs of the times? Am I really able to describe what's happening or to align what's happening in the world with what I see in Scripture? Am I really able to do that? Because there will be people who are desperately afraid of what's going on in the world today. And they won't understand. And it might be that you have the words of encouragement for them. It might be that you have the words of life for them. And that as the time draws near, that you will find that the Lord is bringing more and more people to you for you to share your faith with and share the gospel with. Um, Today we're filling in our understanding of what it means to watch and wait and uh, looking at the signs of the times. And what we've seen is that there will be more and more difficult times, that there will be times of stress, that there will be a falling away, a leaving of a position once held. So we are seeing, at least in the Western church, we are seeing what we call the apostasy, which is the apostasy. We are seeing people departing from the faith or departing from their profession of the faith, walking away from God. That is happening. Our churches are being depleted every day. The buildings, the denominations are reducing. Church of England is is so far depleted, it's almost unbelievable to watch. I did have the figures on that a while ago, but I don't have, it, have them anymore. So there is a great uh, apostasy, but the body of Christ, the, the believers, um, those who have really and truly surrendered to the Lord Jesus and received his spirit, you will not fall away. You won't, because he will hold you. And it won't be your faith that gets you to go to be with Jesus. It will be his faithfulness to you. And I mean... That should be like, hallelujah, praise the Lord, thank you, Lord. Because if it was up to me, I wouldn't make it. That's the truth. But it is not up to me. It's his faithfulness. But the way that that is evidenced in my life is that I keep putting one foot in front of the other. I keep doing the things that he calls me to do. And by that, I know that I truly am a believer in the Lord Jesus. And he keeps confirming and assuring me of what's to come. So I asked a bit earlier, um, I said it's a tragedy actually, I think it's probably one of the biggest demonic deceptions of all time and that is that people, the believing church does not understand Israel, it does not and I think it's, as I say, one of the biggest deceptions, the demonic deceptions that there is. so, but following that, it's like, okay, I think I asked earlier, why should we be bothered about Israel? Why should we be watching what's going on in the Middle East? Why should we be praying for the peace of Jerusalem? You know, there's a psalm, isn't it? Is it Psalm 122? Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm not sure. Which psalm is it? Thank you. We're to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. What does that mean? There's no peace until, yes, we're praying for his coming again. We're praying for peace. He, the God who is peace, to come to Jerusalem. Um, so we're going to pray daily. That means that's part of our watching and waiting is to pray for peace, the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the Lord Jesus to come back. Pray for everything that we can possibly do to hasten that day to be happening so that we do it. Um, uh, But as we do that, we have to be sure of some things. So what's one thing that we need to be sure of? I mean, sorry, that's such a big question. But there's no wrong answer. Just give me an answer. What do you need to be sure of as you're thinking of watching and waiting and praying for Jerusalem, etc.? 
that he is coming back physically, that he will come back physically. Yes. Yes, and God is faithful to his promises. That's like number one, God is faithful to his promises. So if he says that Jesus is coming back, he's coming back. If he says that Israel will be a nation before me, they will be a nation before him. If he says that, um, that there's going to be this animosity towards Israel, you can know it. That's going to increase. If, if he says that there's going to be tension and times of stress in the church and outside of the church, you can know that is going to happen. So what's the reason he's telling us those things? So that we're prepared, so that we're prepared. And so that as we watch and see those things happen, not only are we prepared, but we have it in advance. Yes, we've got the assurance in advance almost. Because even if it's a bad thing happening, when it does happen, it assures us that promises God made two, 3,000 years ago, he is now fulfilling. So it doesn't really matter how long you have to wait. I mean, People talk to me about, I've prayed for years and years about having a baby, finding a husband, what are these things, you know, all these things. You know, I've prayed and prayed. I've prayed for my husband who's not a believer. I've prayed and prayed and prayed and still God hasn't done it. I think, just imagine if you were Israel. You waited 2,000 years to get back in your own land, more. But God fulfilled that promise because he is faithful to his word. So... um, Because we can look at Israel and see what God's doing there, we can be assured in our own personal lives and in the church that he's going to fulfill his word. How does Peter describe that in in his second letter? The promises of God. What does he call the promises of God? Yeah, no, that's not there. It's a good one, but that's not... (laughs) What does Peter say? 2 Peter chapter 1. He calls the promises something. Precious and magnificent promises, yeah. Very great and precious. He calls them precious and magnificent promises. And they are the promises of God to us as a church and to his people, um, to his people Israel. They are precious and magnificent. So what are the magnificent and precious promises to you that God has made? I don't mean individually, personally. I mean to you as a body, as a believer. What has he said to you? Eternal life. That's a magnificent promise. Yeah. Hey? Sorry, yeah, sorry. Sorry, I didn't hear you, Chris. Sorry. Eternal life. When did eternal life start for you? When you were born again. Actually, it never started and it didn't finish because eternal life has no end and no beginning. So it's a, in a way, it's a weird question, isn't it? But you came into the knowledge of it when you put your trust in Jesus. So you now have eternal life. Eternal life and not eternal death. Yeah. What else? He'll never leave you nor forsake you. What else? Those who love him. Yeah. Things that I has not seen nor... Mind conceived, all that God has prepared for those who love him. There are promises we can't even imagine yet, but they are precious and magnificent, and they are for those whom God loves. Think about it in terms of what we've been looking at today. What has God promised will happen? Yes, yes, greater is he who is in us. What has God promised about Jesus? He will come back. He will come back. How will he come back? How was that? Yeah. 
Yeah. How many times will he come back? So when we say about he's coming back, that's actually he's going to, his feet is going to stand on the Mount of Olives. Where do you not want to be then? You don't want to be here. When he comes back and his feet stand on the Mount of Olives, you want to come back with him. So what's his promise to you? He will gather you together with him. So there's not two comings of, there's, no, there's not a second and third coming of Christ to the earth, but there is a coming for his people. You will be caught up together with him in the air. The trumpet will blast, the dead in Christ will rise first, and then you will be forever with the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15 says, In the twinkling of an eye, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, this perishable will put on imperishable. This mortal will put on immortality. That means that when Christ calls me up to meet him in the air, I will at that time receive a new body. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I will have a new body, an eternal body, and it won't look like this. That's a promise. You know, and I think, okay, we might all wish we looked a bit different, but... That's not the basis. That's not the magnificence of the promise. The magnificence of the promise is that we will have a transfigured body. We will be like Christ. And there will be no more death and no more sickness and no more pain and no more sorrow. And we won't feel those things in our physical body the way we feel them now. How amazing. How amazing. That's a promise. So Christ will appear in the heavens. He will, the dead in Christ will be resurrected. Then we who are alive will be caught up. And then both the living and the dead will receive glorified bodies. Now, honestly, repeat that to yourself every day because actually it is unbelievable. I mean, really. If you were to go and tell an unbeliever that, they would laugh in your face. And honestly, sometimes when I think about it, I laugh in my own face. Because it seems too outlandish to believe. It's like too weird. And because I can't picture it in my head, there is a human tendency in me to say that it can't be true. So in order to to counteract that, what must I do? And you may not have that about that thing, but you have it about something. So what must you do to counteract that? Keep repeating truth to yourself. Yes, from the word, over and over again, yes. What does the Bible call that? Renewing your mind, yes. So, Angela, what did you say? Memorizing scripture, yeah. You have to hold every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And that verse comes in a, in, a, in a scripture that says, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are ready to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now that to me tells me that the thoughts in my mind that come against the truth of God's word, they are fortresses. <laughs> they are fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. So if you think taking captive every thought is going to be easy, think again. It is not easy. And you may have to repeat these things to yourself, repeat the truth to yourself, or keep holding it captive over and over and over again. My dad loved science fiction. He loved 
the science fiction movies that were coming out in his day and he just loved the whole concept of science fiction. And because I loved my dad, I loved it too. So when I think about some of these things, it sounds like science fiction to me. So I have to really fight that with, as you say, Sandra, the truth. Because it's, it's hard for me to hold on to those things. So find the things or think about the things that are hard for you to hold on to and work out a strategy to hold those thoughts captive. I don't know what it is. What is it in your life? But you have to do that. God has promised that certain things will happen. One day you will stand before Jesus. And when you do, you'll be taken up in the air to be with him. Where will you be taken up to? You'll be taken up to heaven. What for? Hey? You're going to meet him in the air. So what's he going to do when he meets you in the air, Anna? What's he going to do when he meets me? And we're together because we've got the same name, sort of. So what, what are we going to do? What's he going to do? Yeah. <laughs> She'll do the hugging. She's the hugging type. So what? No, seriously, what are we going to do? No, well, I don't know. But what are we going to do? What's he going to do with us? He's taking us back to the mansion, the home that he prepared for us. John chapter um, 14. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. So he's going to come back and take us up there. And what's going to happen when we get and see the mansion? The house that he's prepared. Hey? Hey? He's going to marry us. But before he marries us, well, we're already married. We're going to have the party. But before that happens, yes, we're going to face the judgment seat of Christ. Not for sin, but for what? The work that you have done whilst you're in the body. Now, no one likes to think about it. We don't like to talk about it because we know we've escaped judgment. We're not going into judgment. But there is a a kind of an accounting, a reckoning. There is a time when Jesus will shower you with crowns. He will give you the crown of righteousness or the crown of perseverance or the crown of uh, giving the gospel or the crown of this or the crown of that. Do you want a crown? Be ready. Do you want a crown? Walk with God. Do you want a crown? Watch and wait the way he wants you to watch and wait. And you can be sure that when you stand at the judgment seat of Christ, you will not be frightened. You will just stand there. You won't have anything in you that says you deserve anything that he does for you. (laughs) Nothing. You'll just be glad to be in the room. But he will give you those crowns. So you have the judgment seat of Christ. You have the wedding of the the lamb. You can read about that in Revelation. You'll be in heaven when the wedding takes place, when the wedding ceremony and the um, first small party takes place. Then what's going to happen? I love this. It's so great. Come on, this is good stuff. What's going to happen then? You're coming back with him. What are you going to do when you come back? You're going to rule and reign. What are you going to be? I mean, really, you're going to walk around with a crown on your head and, you know, like, whatever. What are you going to be? You're going to be saints, but you're going to be like Jesus. So that means you're going to be ruling and reigning. You're going to be the mayor or the, or the president or the town hall clerk or the teacher or the whatever. You're going to, he's going to populate the earth with those who rule and reign with him. Bring it down to reality. He's coming back to a real planet on which there will be real people. 
who will be having babies and growing up and there will be life going on on the planet. It will be wrecked beyond uh, recognition because of the tribulation, but it will still be this planet and that's where you're coming back. But the body you have now will enable you to live on this planet without death, without anything happening to you. Go ahead, Anna. <laughs> no, I don't think we're ever going to be normal again, Anne, which is very pleasing to me. But we'll come back with Jesus as he comes back. When he comes back, where's Jesus going to stand? He's going to, sound on the, he's going to stand on the Mount of Olives, and actually he's going to have one foot on one side and one foot on the other, and through the middle there's a valley. I can't picture that, can you? No, the whole of the Mount of Olives is going to be split. I don't know what he's going to look like. I just know he's going to look magnificent. And I know I'm going to be like him. And that I'm going to come back with him and rule and reign. How do I look? I don't know. I don't know. Hold it captive. Because as soon as I say, I don't know what I'm going to look like. Will I look like, you know, will I be walking through doors? That reminds me of Star Trek. <laughs> and then immediately it's like, hold captive that thought. Go ahead, Anna. Yes. Yes, we will be exactly like that. So we will be transfigured human beings. Yes, he is the God man forever in heaven as a God man, which is amazing to me. Yes, yes, but he hadn't yet ascended. So I don't think he had his new body. He came back in Mount of Transfiguration. Yeah. No, they didn't. But I don't think, I think that they would have recognized something odd if he'd come back in the transformed, transfigured body. I think they might have said, oops, who is this? So they didn't. They were walking with a man who looked like a man and they didn't recognize him, but they thought he was just another. Where have you been? They said. Haven't you, don't you know what's been going on in Jerusalem? So there can't have been any mystery in that, in terms of physical. So we will come back with Christ. We're not going to talk about this. We're going to talk, there's one of the half days, maybe a day on the judgment seat of Christ, half day on and the um, wedding, because the wedding is amazing. The wedding of the bride with the lamb is amazing. And what happens? Yes. Why do you have to come No, I'm with you, Barbara. But I don't mind the ruling and reigning bit. That's quite... I have to say that appeals to me in some way. You don't have a choice. I don't know. He loves you, Barbara. He may leave you up there tending the animals, or if there are any animals, I don't know. But, you know, anyway, I can't go down that road. Don't ask me about your dog or your cat, because I'm not an animal person. So, so... Um, Yes, we all come back, Barbara. We will want to be where he is. That's the message of scripture. We want to be where Jesus is. And so we will be back with him and ruling and reigning. Um, we're going to be scattered all over the world, I think, to assist him in his reign. And at the end of his reign, which will last a thousand years, what's going to happen? Satan will be released. 
And again, we're not going to go into any details, and he will gather an army of people who have lived in the perfect righteousness of Christ Jesus and still not want him, so come against Jesus. And then what will happen to the world? It will be burnt up. It will be burnt up. How will that look? How does the Bible describe what will happen? The elements will melt. But John describes when he's um, on Patmos and he gets the revelation of Christ, he describes at the end the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven like a bride ordained for her husband. And he, he knows all the dimensions of it. So at the end of his reign, we will be that in that new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. From that vantage point, we will see this earth be burned up. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we have. Yes. Yes. Yes, if, they ha- if they've decided to come against Christ, yes. Totally, we're with him wherever he is, yeah, yeah. So, from the vantage point of coming down in the new Jerusalem, and I'm only saying all of these things because this is what the scripture says. I saw a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, dressed as a bride adorned for her husband. That's the church, that's what's being described in in Revelation 21 and 22. So we're coming down. From that vantage point, we will see this earth as we know it, burned up. And then what will you see? I mean, you'll see a new heaven and a new earth. And who will be here? God will dwell here. And Jesus will dwell here. And the Spirit will dwell here. And we will dwell here. I don't mean here because it won't be like this. It will be new. So it will be new. Now, you cannot get this in your head. It sounds ridiculous and funny, and that can't be quite right, because I'm going up there to come back down to go up there again. It's like crazy, isn't it? You know. So I'm not trying to say that you have to hold to each one of these single points, but you have to know we will face a judgment seat of Christ. We will go to our wedding ceremony to be married to Christ. We will come back and reign with him for a thousand years. We will be part of the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven in some way. And this planet will be burned up. That's reality. Now, how does that impact today? Fine, you want to bring as many people into the kingdom as you can. Great. Who said something else? Correct. Exactly. Why would you be so bothered about this planet when it is going to go through a tribulation so impossibly difficult that a third of the rivers are going to be turned to blood? That a third of the trees are going to be um, burned? That, that, that rocks and mountains are going to fall on man, mankind and so much so that they're going to hide in caves and say, hide us from the wrath of the Lamb and of God. Where there's going to be fire and brimstone coming out of heaven. Where, where hailstones, a hundred pounds big, are going to be sent down. What on earth do you think you're going to save on this planet? 
Nothing is going to be saved on this planet apart from those who put their trust in the Lord Jesus. Are you supposed to look after the planet? Yes. Are you supposed to make sure that you uh, abide by the regulations of the governments under which you live? Yes. Are you supposed to do your best to, to witness and manifest the life of Christ? Yes. But don't get attached to this life. Don't get attached to this planet because it's going. It will be burned up. Don't spend your life on environment only to find when you see Jesus face to face it had no relevance or meaning to anybody in terms of their eternity. Yes. What, the new one? Or? Oh, this planet is going to last another thousand years, even though it will be in a bad state. It is, because it will be replanted and everything, you know, because we'll have a thousand years of righteous reign of Christ. It's impossible to believe how that's going to be. Oh, yes. I see what you mean. Yes. We know it is. Yes. Thank you, Angela. I didn't quite get that. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So, um, the events that are happening in our world, they matter today in, in terms of our, our theology. It matters. It matters that you don't get embroiled in these environmental things. Really. It matters because you know what's going to happen. So, again, yes, live for Christ. Live as Christ. But the, the only thing that really matters now is that you live the way he wants you to live. Because through you living like that, he will bring many people to know him. And when you see events happening in the Middle East, you know that that is a testimony to God's grace. Just before we finish, I wanted to say, you know, from the first time I was a Christian... Uh, I met lots of believers who wanted to be Jews. There's so many Christians who want to be Jews, Gentile believers who want to be Jews. And, um, and I can understand in some way why, because they have such a rich history and the traditions of their faith are so full of meaning. The feasts that they celebrated all point to Christ. The, the festivals are all about Jesus. And... That is wonderful. It's a, such a rich tapestry of tradition. But I want you to know a couple of things. Well, this is really true about me, so I'm sure it's true about you too. Um, if I were really a Jew, I'd probably be one that didn't believe. I would be one who still had the veil over her eyes. Unless God had opened my eyes, I wouldn't believe. So if you think about being a Jew, you'd rather be a Jew, just think that you would belong probably to the 90% of Jews who don't believe. And also think about what God is doing and has done for the Jews. He has done and is willing to do for every Gentile. Think about... Um, the nation of Israel testifies to the reality of God's promises. 
Their whole history testifies to that. When they obey God, he blesses. When they disobey, they receive the, the penalty for their disobedience. They don't deserve to be brought back into their homeland. There is nothing in, intrinsically about the Jew that makes them deserve the mercy of God to bring them back to the land of Israel. There was nothing intrinsically about you that made you deserve, deserving of the salvation of God. You are exactly the same as the Jew, except you had a bit less information about God. You are who you are. Why? Because of the grace of God. Israel is who they are back in the land. Why? Because of the grace of God. God has done and is doing things for the world that he has done and will do for Israel. He is the same God. So I'm saying this, I don't know that there is anybody in this room who's like that, but I have met a lot of people who want to be Jews and who go back to keeping all the feasts and the festivals and doing the Shabbat Shalom and the Sabbath meals. And There's nothing wrong with them at all. And it's wonderful to do and to remember Christ. But if that becomes the thing, it's an idol. Those things are actually keeping the Jews from salvation because they are trusting the feast, the festival, the Sabbath, the, all of it. They are trusting that instead of coming to Christ, instead of understanding that those things pointed to Christ. So, um, since 1991, Jerusalem has been the burdensome stone and will continue to be. The fulfillment of prophecies are going to take place in front of our eyes. What are you going to be doing while they do? This is by way of finishing up. So the quicker you speak, the quicker we finish. Yes, perfect answer. Who said that? (laughs) You're going to be watching and waiting. What for? What are you waiting for? You're waiting for the bridegroom to appear. You're waiting for the bridegroom. How? What are you going to do while you wait? Hmm? Yeah, excuse me. Keep the lamps burning. How are you going to do that? You are going to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. What else are you going to do? Think scripture. What else are you going to do? Grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. What else? Scripture. Yeah. I do mean something like that, yeah. Knowing the time, keeping abreast of the time because the days are evil. Yes, proclaim his goodness, his excellence, yeah. You're going to build yourself up on your most holy faith, Jude. You're going to live as ambassadors for Christ, 2 Corinthians 5. You're going to beg and plead other believers to be reconciled to Christ, to live like Christians, 2 Corinthians 5. You're going to um, preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Preserve the unity that God has already put into the body of Christ. You are going to do everything you can to preserve that unity. You are going to consider other people as more important than yourself. You're going to not think too highly of yourself. It's a tricky one, but you're not going to do that. You are going to submit to one another as to the Lord. 
you are going to understand that each one of us is a sinner saved by glorious grace. You are going to pray for one another. You're going to love one another. You're going to live for one another. You're going to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. You're going to pray for, the Christ, Jesus, for Christ Jesus to come. And when he does come back, what's going to have happened? I mean, I know it's big, but you know, on, on my page. Genesis through Revelation will be complete. That's what will happen when Christ comes back, lives, reigns for a thousand years, and when we see the completion. Revelator, Genesis to Revelation will be fulfilled in front of our eyes. I mean, how wonderful is that? So, are you ready? And if you are, how will you know? If you're watching and waiting, how will you know? I mean, all those things you're going to be doing, so how will you know that you are watching and waiting in the way that he wants you to? What will be the evidence in your life? Yes. Who's... You'll be fruitful, yeah. Yes, you'll change. Every conversation, you'll find it difficult not to talk about Jesus. Every morning you wake up, you're going to find yourself starting the day thinking about him. Every time when you go to bed, you're going to find yourself thanking him for the day that you had. Every moment of every day, he is going to figure larger and larger in your life. You're not there yet. I'm not there. We're not there. But this is a process. And if we have decided to surrender all, to, to give him our lives, then that's what he's going to do. And you won't have to go out and, and figure out a way you can talk to people about Jesus. How am I going to bring him into conversation? It's so difficult. I don't know what to say. You're going to find him spilling out of you. He's just going to be there. And it's going to be hard not to talk about him. Sheep among wolves? Mm. Two, there's two of them, yeah. Thank you. So, um, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I think I'm done. You'll be pleased to know. And it is 20 to 5, so even I'm pleased to know I'm done. So, <laughs> so two, well, I'm not quite done, of course, because there's still two more things to say. Give him radical surrender. I mean, radical. Take the surrender that you've already done and invest it with energy and time and talent and everything. Invest it with everything you have and surrender all to Christ. And then do that every day. <laughs> because you'll forget tomorrow. Father, I thank you that... Um, I thank you, Lord, that you will bring us to this point that you have actually in some ways brought us here because we want to be the people that you're describing in your word. We want to be people who, who submit and who think about others more highly and who live for you and give you radical obedience and radical surrender. We want to be people whose lives matter. We don't want to waste this time that we have. And so, Father, it's so wonderful to know that you're going to take this small desire, this, this small step, 
and you're going to make it real in my life and in our life. And I pray, Father, that that would be something that we each one of us do right now, that we decide right now, this day, this moment, that we are going on with you and that we're going to make you so big in our lives, Lord Jesus, that we can't help talk about you, that we can't help obey you, that we can't help want to know you better. And Lord, I just thank you so much for this amazing calling on our lives. I thank you that you didn't just leave me in a corner and knowing that I was saved but not knowing what to do. I thank you that you opened up your word to me and that you have done that for each one of us and that you are calling us through that word to be people that we never dreamed we could be. And I praise you for it, Lord, and, and thank you with all my heart that you're going to use each one of us and collectively use this ministry to, to raise up the name of the Lord Jesus, to exalt him in this place and in this nation. And, and, and you are going to do that by peop, through people like us. I praise you and thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen.